My declarations and how they shape this toolkit. Declaration number one. I am a commitment to healing mine and our traumatic retentions so that I and we may respond in current time, accounting for my and our skills, power, and competencies. The reason why this toolkit places such a heavy emphasis on trauma and the ways in which it can show up in our bodies is because I believe that white supremacy culture and many of the oppressive systems that create and reinforce harmful research mindsets and practices are shaped by and upheld through trauma responses. White supremacy culture is a trauma response. And for me, embodying an alternative to white supremacy involves healing the trauma that we've inherited as individuals, communities, and systems so that we're able to respond in a way that is rooted in our current reality. Part of creating a co-created and collective declaration around this work, both within and outside of the field of research, is an understanding how the status quo is harming all of us, albeit in different ways and to different extents. In the words of Chicago public school teacher Dwayne Reed, quote, White supremacy culture won't die until white people see it as a white issue they need to solve rather than a black issue they need to empathize with. End quote. White supremacy culture takes a toll on white bodies today, but before we examine its impact on white people today, it's important to understand its lineage. In his book, My Grandmother's Hands, trauma specialist Resma Menicum takes us back in time before colonization of the lands currently known as America, to the origins of white supremacy culture. While the following are relevant excerpts shared in an attempt to summarize key points, one would greatly benefit from reading the book in full. Quote, Trauma was not invented in 1619. This is the widely shared timeline for the beginning of slavery in the U.S., for thousands of years before that, human beings murdered, butchered, tortured, oppressed, abused, conquered, enslaved, and colonized one another. By the late 1600s, the English controlled nearly all the colonized territory in what would become the United States. In England, the 1500s and 1600s were not gentle times. People were routinely burned at the stake, tortured, hung, and otherwise brutalized. Many of the English who fled to America were victims or first-hand observers of this brutality. Others were desperately trying to get away from poverty, starvation, overcrowding, and the Great Plague. For all their talk of the New Jerusalem, the pilgrims and Puritans were not explorers. They were refugees fleeing imprisonment, torture, and mutilation. Isn't it likely that many of them, the English colonists who made their way to America, were traumatized by the time they arrived here? Did over 10 centuries of medieval brutality, which was inflicted on white bodies by other white bodies, begin to look like culture? Did this intergenerational trauma and its effects end with European immigrants' arrival in the New World? It seems likely that many of the English colonists who made their way to America were deeply traumatized and brought their trauma with them. Throughout America's history, white bodies have colonized, oppressed, and murdered black ones. But well before the United States was founded, powerful white bodies colonized, oppressed, 
and murdered other white ones. Our concepts of whiteness, blackness, and race were invented in the 17th century. The terms white person, white woman, white man did not appear until the 1680s. It was only in the late 17th century that white Americans began in earnest to formalize a culture of white body supremacy. This culture was designed to blow centuries of trauma through millions of black bodies and to attempt to colonize the minds of people of all colors. Menachem references a quote by Janice Barbie to summarize. Quote, What white bodies did to black bodies, they did to other white bodies first. End quote. Understanding this lineage fundamentally changes how we look at the roots of racialized trauma and the origins of white supremacy culture. Race is not a BIPOC issue, as it's so often claimed, that we need white people to support us with. Rather, it's a harmful byproduct of centuries-old unresolved white-on-white trauma that was spread to the rest of the world through colonization. White supremacy and white supremacy culture are a trauma response. Colonists built entire empires based on a trauma response. And because trauma responses are designed to protect and shield us from the impact of the original trauma, they mutate as needed to maintain that protection in a changing context. In the following excerpt from My Grandmother's Hands, Menachem explains how white supremacy culture has mutated over the years in America to maintain its hold. In the late 1600s and early 1700s, white and black immigrants worked and lived together on plantations and repeatedly rose up against plantation owners. In response, landowners gave white workers small parcels of land and said, you're like us, you're white and you own land. In other cases, they appointed poor white people to quasi-leadership positions that gave them authority over black bodies and lives. Over the years, the power divide shifted from landowners versus workers to white folks versus black folks. The colonization of minds and bodies soothed some of the long-held pain that had been passed down from generation to generation in white bodies. Poor white Americans were increasingly able to believe they had a claim to power and privilege that had eluded their ancestors. There was now an easily identifiable group that white people, whether poor or rich, could blow their unmetabolized trauma through. This dirty pain became institutionalized as white body supremacy in governance, courts, policing, education, employment, housing, and so on. Dividing working class black and white people from each other was repeated with later waves of immigrants. Italians, Irish, Eastern European Jews, and other European immigrant groups were initially regarded as stupid, barbaric, dangerous, and most of all, non-white. Within a generation or two, however, each group was colonized, socialized, and absorbed into the false community of whiteness. So, not only do white bodies still carry the impact of that original unresolved trauma, but in the process of trying to protect themselves from the impact of experiencing it fully, they have caused immense harm to other bodies. White supremacy culture as it manifests today not only protects white descendants from feeling the impact of the original trauma, 
but it also protects them from feeling the impact of the immense harm they've caused to others in this process of trying to quote-unquote protect themselves. In her book, How We Show Up, Mia Birdsong does an excellent job of unpacking what author and activist Lamarad Owens refers to as the quote-unquote trauma of whiteness, while still centering those who have and continue to be oppressed as a result of this unresolved white-on-white trauma. Quote, Being on the receiving end of harmful oppression is decidedly and specifically horrible. But wielding them has its own corrupting and denigrating impact on the imposer. This is important to understand, not because it makes those who hold power and privilege quote-unquote victims, or somehow as equally harmed as those who experience racism, sexism, and classism. It's important to understand because the work of dismantling systems of oppression that you benefit from isn't altruistic work that just helps others. It's about your own liberation as well. American capitalism extracts from poor and middle-class people and from our planet and builds detachment and greed in the hearts of the wealthy. Patriarchy hurts women and gender non-conforming people and it also deeply limits men. White supremacy harms people of color and it also diminishes white people. I'm going to repeat this because I want to be irrefutably clear. The harm experienced by the oppressors is not equivalent to the harm experienced by the oppressed. Capitalism, white supremacy, and patriarchy are not good for anyone, but the work that needs to be done by those who exert oppression and those who are the targets are markedly different. While the corrupting power of capitalism on rich people and the restrictive nature of patriarchy on men is fairly apparent, White supremacy's negative impact on white people is underexplored and warrants some unpacking. Even pointing that out makes me uncomfortable because white people exploring the harm of white supremacy on themselves should not prioritize that over the work they must do to end the ways that harms people of color. But I also agree that what Lamarad Owens calls the trauma of whiteness is not going to be wholly healed without white people recognizing that they have work to do on themselves that includes understanding how their own liberation is impeded by white supremacy. When we hear quote-unquote white supremacy, we tend to think of the blatant, visible racism of the Klansmen, the N-word, or the modern-day Nazis. I'm focused on the more mundane and insidious white supremacy that is embedded in American cultures, systems, institutions, the dynamics of relationships, and our own psyches. As Tema Okun put it in her piece, White Supremacy Culture, quote, Culture is powerful precisely because it's so present and at the same time so very difficult to name or identify, end quote. It's the pervasiveness and sometimes near invisibility of white supremacy that makes it both hard to pull apart and toxic. There are various downsides to white supremacy for white people, There's the proximate harm of having people of color you may love be harmed by white supremacy. There are also contributions from people of color we are collectively missing out on because white supremacy creates barriers for people of color's brilliance. There's the soul-deadening impact of having an identity that is predicated on the oppression of other people. My friend Courtney, who is white, told me, quote, 
I think of it as a festering wound at the center of our lives. This deep knowing that the country, and by extension our own lives, have been built on the backs of others. End quote. The American dream is white supremacy culture bound up with capitalism and patriarchy. In addition to espousing a belief that white people are superior to people of color, white supremacy is also a culture of rigidity, efficiency, more is better, ignorance is bliss, scarcity hoarding, binaries, and toxic individualism. My friend Matt, also white, spoke to how it limits his ability to connect with others. Quote, white supremacy culture makes it harder for white folks to connect authentically, understand others, and accurately empathize. Since oppression is definitionally a form of dehumanization, since it denies the full subjecthood of those being oppressed, I think there's a deep level in which it limits human connection. End quote. It keeps white people from being deeply known to others and themselves. It casts what is human about white people as weakness. End quote. Echoing Mia Birdsong's analysis, it's crucial that we're able to connect our declarations, our whys, back to what we want for ourselves and what we care about. We need to be able to recognize and root in an understanding of the unique ways in which the status quo of white supremacy culture is harming quote-unquote me, no matter our positionality. This is important for the sustainability of this work because at the end of the day, when the pressure builds up, as it does, me is the person that our bodies are designed to protect first and foremost. The following reflection prompts are intended to help you clarify and dig deeper into your own why for doing this work. I invite you to pause after each question and note down any thoughts that come up for you before moving on. Why are you doing this work? How much of it is because you see inherent value in it for you? How much of it is about checking a box? How much of it is about quote unquote doing good for others? What do you as an individual stand to gain from doing this work? What are the personal costs to you of not doing this work? I invite you to pause to consider these questions before moving on to the next module.